This week, America's A-plus drama student charms her way into our hearts. Welcome, everyone, to Rebooted! The podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. This week, Kenna convinced me to watch a movie she thought I'd hate, but didn't. That's not true. The Princess Diaries, starring Anne Hathaway, Julie Andrews, Heather Matarazzo, Robert Schwartzman, and Hector Elizondo. That's, Elizondo. That's not true. I thought you would love this movie, but... It just might not be typically something you would have picked for yourself. Well, you were right. In degrees. There are things about this movie that I did not enjoy, and there are things about this movie that are quite pleasant. Okay. Impossible that you could not enjoy every aspect of this movie, but I'll hear you out. Amelia, have you ever heard of Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi? No. He was the crown prince of Genovia. Hmm. What about him? Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi was your father. <laughs> yeah, sure, my father was the Prince of Genovia. Uh-huh, you're joking. Why would I joke about something like that? No, no, because if he's really a prince, then I... Exactly. You're not just Amelia Thermopolis. You are Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Rinaldi Princess of Genovia. Me? A, a princess? Shut up! She's so ugly. She's like what? so <laughs> ugly. She's like hideous. Just like the eyebrows and her hair are so gross. I can't. <laughs> I can't even understand how they turned her into like a beautiful prince. Oh wait, because they cast Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Um, welcome everybody to Rebooted, a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host Kenneth Trent take a classic Hollywood film and talk about it as if it was to be remade today in 2020. This week we're talking about The Princess Diaries. And you know what? It's a Disney property. Yeah. It just seems like it's going, it just seems like it's going to happen. Here's the one thing I was upset about this movie. Okay. Maybe I misheard you. Okay. I definitely misheard you. Uh Uh-huh. But I was promised Chris Pine. Here's what... Roll the tape, because I have never said that he was in The Princess Diaries. I have always said that he was in The Princess Diaries 2, colon, a royal engagement. Always. Well, it doesn't matter because I watched both, God damn it! <gasps> <laughs> Did you really? Because I wanted my pine fix. He, and is it, he's, listen, The Princess Diaries 2 is good. It's just as good as this one. I, I'll just say this, like, it was, it, was, it was actually, it's some great family fun. What is your dilemma, young man? You are, in fact. I am in love with the queen-to-be. And I am inquiring if she loves me, too. Do you have a chicken for my table? No. Uh, No, my kitchen is out of chickens. This is like, I do not think it's an overstatement to say that this is a generationally defining movie. For, like, women my age. Yes. I was 10 years old when this movie came out. And I... I was 46. (laughs) That checks out. And this was everything to me. Everything. Mia was like the nothing... She says it in the clip, my expectation is to be invisible and I'm good at it. And you're like, girl, same. And then she becomes... A princess. Okay. She gets to kiss Eric Von Dett. <laughs> Eric, the king of the Disney Channel Von Detten. Oh. <coughs> <coughs> Corona, take me now. Uh, okay, well, we'll get into the uh, all the greatness and 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 less greatness of The Princess Diaries later on as we re- take... I think we're doing five characters this week. Yeah. We're casting them as if the movie is to be remade today. Uh, but we got a couple news things. I don't want to spend too long on this. Nah. Just to, just to keep, we're doing this just to keep our loyal fans abreast of what's going on in Hollywood today. <laughs> you even guys have been news, asking for it. Yeah. Even though this news, when you hear it, it's about a month old. Yeah. Um, Taika Waititi to tackle Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for Netflix. Taika Waititi fresh... Somewhat fresh off his Oscar winning, I almost said performance, but his Oscar win this at this year's Oscars, obviously. You don't win an Oscar anywhere else, Brian. Um, <laughs> has decided to take on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for Netflix, which has purchased a significant chunk, if not all, of the Roald Dahl universe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so Taika Waititi is bringing his quirky sense of dark humor to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Initially, we both were like, why? Blah. Who cares? This is a bad idea. But then I actually read the article and realized that it's animated. Yes. And it made me hate the idea a little less. Um, I would like to see what Taika Waititi can do. Yeah. I mean, it does feel a little like... Uh, because this story is supposed to be focused on the Oompa Loompas? No, he's making two. Okay. So he's doing the full, he's doing a two-part series. One is the book. the book. And then there's another, like, short or something that he's going to do about the Oompa Loompas. Which I feel like, honestly, maybe we're asking for. Because there's a whole backstory about why there's a whole race of people that's being used in Willy Wonka's factory to make chocolate. We have questions. You're going to make me pull up the Johnny Depp movie, aren't you? Um, You're editing this one. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> he'll be in every. He'll be in every act. Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. But no, like I, I can't say that I'm. I'm yearning for there to be another Willy Wonka, especially because, honestly, as weird as it is, the story is the original movie and honestly as much as i love the book like as a kid the story is the original movie but sure animate like it suits an animated version i i guess i i i'm gonna say this if i'm gonna be on this podcast and champion like a stephen king cinematic universe then i can't get mad at netflix for being like we're gonna own the roll doll catalog we're gonna have yeah. The catalog of Roald Dahl material at your whim. James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. The Big Friendly Giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great, great. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you could say maybe next to like Matilda is like the flagship yeah. Roald Dahl material. So I get why they're starting with this. But in terms of like, I mean, this isn't a cinematic universe, but like in terms of like getting the library off the ground, why not go for something smaller? Why not go for, like, something a little more offbeat? I don't know. That was just my thought. It does sort of lend itself to be like, okay, if this is the only thing we ever make, this is just what it'll be. Right. That's true. So it has that going for it. But, I mean, it'll be on Netflix. That's really the value of streaming is it's just available forever. Eventually, I'm sure we will watch it. Next. Next. Mortal Kombat reboot builds a whole universe, says Liu Kang, actor. <laughs> Just the level of tiredness in your voice reading the sentence tells me immediately how you already feel about this. Okay. Liu D. Lin, the actor bringing Mortal Kombat's Liu Kang back to the big screen, teased plans for the reboot span for more than a single film. He said, quote, director Simon McCoy is very devoted to this world. He's very passionate about building a universe of Mortal Kombat rather than one single fight film. He started a backstory of the entire world and made sure to flesh out the characters so that people feel it's not just a video game and there's some substance behind it. Quick question. Has this man seen the original movie? <laughs> he, acts as if, he acts as if they didn't build a universe. They built a universe. You don't have to try to build a universe about Mortal Kombat. It exists. We understand what's about to happen. Give us the gosh dang movie. (laughs) I'm exhausted of waiting for this to happen. I want that. I I wish if there are awards for podcasts, I'm submitting that entire speech. (laughs) That deserves some kind of trophy. But like here. Don't you think Christopher Lambert? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I just remember that's how it says. You have to compete in Mortal Kombat. Everything. I, it, there's a lot to live up to here. The Mortal Kombat, the 1996, right? That movie is so iconic in my brain. I love every second of it, beginning to end as a masterpiece. And whatever this is, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. And really, I just love anything that takes like martial arts seriously. See our, our episode on the next Karate Kid. Oh! <laughs> but 
the thing is, they have just been talking about this movie and talking about it and talking about it to death. Enough! Give us the movie. Don't try to tease us with all this stuff. We're here for it. Give us the movie. I'm looking up the soundtrack to Mortal Kombat. Um, what is the song at the end of the movie that's just like, it's like house music Uh-oh. where like the fireworks are going off? It's like... I know what you're talking about because my dad had the soundtrack on cassette when we were kids. (laughs) So I'm very familiar, but it's also, it's weirdly the same song that plays at the end of Mean Girls. Um, Is is it? It is. Worst ending ever. Shut up. I've been waiting for you. What took you so long? I guess you knew it would end this way. Didn't have a clue. Oh, it is so good. All right. Well, that's that's it for the news. Let's get out of here. Uh, you ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Guys, this is our reboot of The Princess Diaries. Oi, who destroyed you? Oh, um, y- y- you think it, it looks that bad? You look ridiculous. You should sue. Well, um... I know that it's it's a little you know, straighter and shorter. Weirder? An attractive weirder. No, it's not attractive. Seatbelts, please. What I really can't understand, you ditched me again yesterday when I really needed your help on the Greenpeace petition. This bag. You have one of these bags? You know, we could hawk that and feed a whole third world country. Am I right? No. Lily, no one asked you. Although she did technically ask her. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely didn't hate this movie, but I didn't, definitely didn't love this movie. Here's how I boiled it down. This is a movie about teenagers directed by an 85-year-old man who's never, who doesn't like know what teenagers actually do. But he gets it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like Mandy, like, like they go to the beach and suddenly this movie is Beach Blanket Bingo starring Here's Mandy Moore. Here's I'm like, thing. what generation are we talking Mandy about? Mandy Moore is a misstep. I'll say it. Oh. I think Mandy Moore is a misstep. Her voice is so grating in this movie. Everything it, she does, like, I guess in that way you're like, oh, she's a great villain, but she's also not, like, she's a joke. What do you mean she's a joke? Like, when you're watching her, you're like, this is not, you're not an actress. <laughs> oh, my God. You're a pop singer. <sighs> and here's the thing, Mandy, and you're never going to hear this, but I love your music. But I can't do you in this movie. It's it just it just seemed weird. Like, it, there are moments where this movie kind of slipped into a Hallmark movie for me. And then there's moments where you're like, yeah, this is like a, this is a real Disney major motion picture and it just felt tonally a little strange um this movie's directed by frank marshall hi guys it's kenna so brian just called gary marshall frank marshall and we're fully aware that gary marshall directed the princess diaries and we love him for it uh, but i'm sorry to say that brian's gonna do that just one more time later in the podcast please forgive him because i never will okay back to your regularly scheduled programming Brother of Penny Marshall, director of such movies as Pretty Woman and Runaway Bride. Like, this guy has made some slam dunks. And I felt like this was like, I could just hear him in my head being like, this is fine. Like, yeah, just do this. It's do you, fine. I'll ask you this question. Do you Did you find it to be a little too endearing? No. Okay. I didn't. Here's, look, I... And I've, I've, I am on record currently as saying I enjoyed this movie. I want to read a little bit okay. of Roger Ebert's criticism of this movie. Okay, please. Do. Because I think it's he's I think he's right in a lot of aspects. I mean, he's definitely twisting the knife here. But uh, this movie made it to Roger Ebert's most hated list. And he wrote about this movie saying, quote, The Princess Diaries is a march through the swamp of recycled ugly duckling stories with occasional pauses in the marsh of sitcom cliches and the bog of idiot plots. You recall the idiot plot. That's the plot that would have been solved in an instant if anyone on screen said that what was obvious to the audience. A movie like this is an entertainment. It's more like a party game where if you lose, if you say the secret word. And I kind of agree with him on this, the one condition that this movie is like, all right, they cast Anne Hathaway to basically helm this movie and she does an incredible job. Mm-hmm. But there's no reality where she is in any way unattractive in this movie. There's, there's just not. But I curly hair, big frame glasses, like but here's what that's I'll a say. type, my friend. 
<laughs> Here's what I'll say, though, is that I think the success of this movie of making her, quote unquote, unattractive, is that it is not about the movie is not about how she takes off her glasses and Larry Miller gives her a makeover and all of a sudden she's a princess. What's his name? Ronaldo? It's uh, Paolo. Paolo. Which I, I, I find Roger Ebert's words shocking because of how much even now as a 28-year-old woman, I still quote this movie like it came out three weeks ago. It has great lines. It, for sure it but has like, great lines. But here's the thing is that it is – the story is about like – Mia deciding from within that she has the ability to do what she thinks she can't. Because this is what she says. She says she desires to be invisible. And so it's not necessarily that she's ugly and then she's pretty. It's that she's kind of homely and she chooses to not engage in like the popular world. We were going to tell you when you were 18 years old. But when your father died, things changed, Mia. We wanted to protect you. Okay. You know what? I don't feel protected. You try living for 15 years thinking that you're one person, and then in five minutes you find out that you're a princess. You know what? Just, just in case I'm not enough of a freak already, let's add a tiara. Like, that's who she is. She and Lily are the outcasts. They kind of take that on as something they love about themselves. I that I agree with that. That's how I kind of. So I don't think there's anything like it. It does not fall into that typical trap of like, of what movie am I trying to think of with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. She's all that. Yes, it's not that sort of like all of a sudden she's banging and everybody's like, well, yeah, she all she needed was a pair of contacts and a hair straightener, like. It's not about that because every there's so much more that happens after that because she's still the uncomfortable girl who wants to run away. Well, that's interesting you said that because I I thinking about this it was like yeah that outcast label that you just gave is like you kind of have to lean into that a lot harder like I don't think Roger Ebert like Roger Ebert is not who this movie is for I don't even know why they made him watch it because it was no. in theaters he doesn't get it. <laughs> okay, all right, relax. <laughs> Ten-year-old Kenna, just relax. But the movie does not really have a terribly original plot, so I'm wondering, like, what is that plot? If we're talking about, like, for for 1990, what year was this? 19, for 2001 women, mm-hmm. that's the story. But what is the story in 2020? Does that still hold up? Does wanting to be invisible, is that even still a thing for the audience that this kind of property is intended for? I think the big, the bigger question is, does it, does the wish fulfillment of finding out that you're a secret princess still matter? I don't think so. Also, it's like, we would know, like in some capacity, we would know this story that like some Genovian royal family has an heir somewhere in America. Like that would be big news or at least some sort of like, yeah, like we, like, Who's the Russian princess that everyone keeps claiming to be? Anastasia? Anastasia, yeah. It would be sort of like that. Like, yeah, everyone would be coming out saying that they're Anastasia. And it would, you know, it, that, that maybe it would be something like that. I don't really know. But that was just sort of where my head was when thinking about this. Because I the whole, it really felt like, I don't hate this, the idea of an American girl finding out that she is secretly royalty. Mm-hmm. And she has all these, like, you know, teenage issues dealing with that. I just hate that it's like, let's cast one of the most beautiful actresses America has seen in the last 20 years as like... But we didn't know eh. her. We didn't know right, her. But this is when this we This was did. our introduction this is when we to did. Anne, and, it, and we saw her go from frumpy to fabulous. Right, but come on. <laughs> Walking into this movie, you know the transformation is going to happen, so you don't believe the beginning anyways. Like, But you do. Like You, <laughs> you do. And I can't explain it. Poster, but Jenna. I can't explain it. It's like an emotional thing where you see her being like, as usual, this is as good as it's gonna right. get. And you're like, yeah. All like right. I get I get where her head is at. She sells it in the performance. She's not just like she's not like just ugly. <laughs> and she's not ugly, but it's like she has internalized the ugliness that has been put on her. Is this your back to the future? Kind of like, Mm. is this the one movie that's like we've got that you've loved so much? I just I love it so much in the way that like 
if people dislike it, I'm like, then it's not. I don't understand what right. you thought you watched because it's not. It's not typical. It's not generic. Like there is something special about it. But sure, it kind of looks like your average. Like her dreams are fulfilled, but it's not. Julie Andrews is in this movie. Right. You know. Okay, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make you crack. I'm just. I'm just poking at it because you know I'm trying to see. What are the weak spots? What can we strengthen? So do you, who wants to go first? Do you want to go first? you want to kick this off? Do you want me to go? You go. And then you can rage at all of the picks <laughs> that I've said. You go. All right. So Amelia Mionette Grimaldi Thermopolis Ronaldo, played no. by. Did I fuck it up? Of course I did. All right. Do it. I don't know. It's. Let me see if I can remember this. Amelia Mionette Thermopolis Rinaldi, Princess of Genovia. All right. Um, played by Anne Hathaway. I just the thing about the ugly ducking thing, it kind of bothers me. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the invisibility part. Yeah, but like f- it rings of a pre. I don't want to say nine eleven. It rings of a time that's long gone by. All right, but I really like the idea of the outcast. That's still tried and true. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of lead into. And I'm more interested in a girl who's sort of an outsider or that feels like she's different, like most kids do. Mm-hmm. Also, I thought it'd be more interesting to see 2020 Mia lean into being like royalty to escape her life and have it completely change her, which we mm. kind of get. But I, I guess it's more mean girls. Like, yeah, I got into the popular crew. This would be that on like level a thousand. Like, yeah. I am now royalty. I don't need you anymore. Kind of shit. Like, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked... Amanda Stenberg mm-hmm. from The Hate You Give. Yes. A couple reasons why. Um, she's an amazing talent. Mm-hmm. And in the line of that, I joke about how Anne Hathaway is a plus drama student. Yes. But she is very talented. She is She's earned every bit of success that she has gotten. Yeah. And so I wanted to pick an actress who I knew was just like, this lady is going to be around for a long time. She mm-hmm. is very talented. She's a little older than Anne Hathaway was, which I think is fun in the way that it's like, I, I think maybe this choice to be royal or not uh, could be could be interesting if it's like, is she going to choose a life where she's living like, is she li- going to live a life that's entirely her own or is she going to choose a life of like public service? This is more of the sequel choice. It's like, OK, I think it would be a really interesting choice to see a, an an actress like or a character at the age of like just before she's about to apply for college. Mm-hmm. And it's like you always wanted to go to Berkeley. You always wanted to go to UCLA. You've always wanted to go to, I don't know, Northwest, Northwestern, whatever it is. But now this other opportunity, this other door has opened and it's opened a completely different life, a life you may not have even thought about, but it comes with a lot of hardship and it comes with a lot of isolation and it comes with a lot of this and a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that would make a very interesting sort of princess movie for 2020. Like, do I choose a life that's mine or do I choose a life of public service for the rest of my life? Um, I mean, it's a little hairy, Megan, but I think that's fine. I think that's fine. That's my pick. No, I think I honestly can't say that I have seen her in anything with my own eyes, but I feel like the the talk surrounding her is always very positive. So I'd be interested to see it. I also went a similar direction. Um, I think for me, something I always attach myself to in this movie is, and they don't see it out mostly because Lily is actually the worst human. (laughs) She's a bad friend. But there's like, there's a point where at the end, Mia's like, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry I missed your cable show. And I'm just really sorry. No, I can't believe that you hung me up after all I did for you. You know, I kept your royal secret. And do you know how hard it is to have a cable show and keep a secret? You didn't keep it a secret from me how jerky you thought my being a princess was. Well, congratulations, you got your wish. I'm not gonna be a princess. You're not? No. But I want you to be. Like, you're a terrible friend. But what Lily is trying to tell her is like, do you know what it's like to like want to change the world so badly, but you have absolutely no means to do that? And Mia kind of has to take a step back and be like, oh, with great power comes great responsibility, that kind of business. And I would love to lean a little more into that as like, I think a 2020 princess story might be someone who's like this 
life is very vapid and archaic and I don't want to get into something like this when really like she has to come to terms with the fact that like if she wants to change the world like she could have a platform to do that and it's about convincing her that like it's not all bowing and scraping and formalities but like she can actually like do something with her life and I think that's really cool um so for my Mia I picked Storm Reed I know her who is 16 years old. Wow. The actual age of Mia Thermopolis. Um, the Visible Man, yes. Yes. Um, wrinkle in Time. Yes. Super talented young woman. Excited to see more from her. And I think she would be really... First of all, she seems like she's very cool, which I love the idea of, like you were talking about sort of turning it on its head in the like 21 Jump Street sort of way where it's like... Like nerds are cool and mm-hmm. like jerk jocks are like idiots kind of thing. Like flipping things around where it's like it's not that same sort of thing of like in 2001 we were like, oh, she's like a little dumpy and, you know, is into like saving the world and vegan shoes and she's yeah. lame. Whereas like I think we would have to switch things up now. So I could kind of see her as being someone who intends to be standoffish but has to come around to being known yeah you know as a person um yeah that's what i picked nice um who are we moving to queen clarice queen clarice played by the julie andrews um mary poppins the fact that they got julie andrews for this picture bananas is incredible she i know it's your turn but she's very good in this role in terms of like yeah She's the exact amount of like, she looks like an old royal. She's royalty. But she's young enough to play that weird storyline about like, she's actually a widow. She falls in love with Joe. Clarice has had a hard year. Yes. Her husband died. How many, how long ago did I It was a year ago. It was a year ago. And then her son dies like a couple months prior to the events of this movie. Like she's been through it. Yeah. And... Honestly, I would watch an entire movie about Clarice and Joe. <laughs> Let me ask you this about fake countries and movies. Uh-huh. Do you think more attention should be placed into like building a fake country? Like like Black Panther, I feel like, did a very good job being like, no, Wakanda's like this. This is what Wakandans believe. This is like Wakandan mm-hmm. culture. It's very much an African culture, but like this is specific to Wakanda and then this is specific to the continent. And everyone has this kind of accent. Or do you're are you like, I don't care, some Genovians are Irish, some are American, one is Hector Elizondo. It's like it do, I guess it doesn't matter like where Genovia is. Like, where do you fall in like in that? Like it I actually think they do a pretty good job of characterizing Genovia. Like think of all the weird details they threw in. But they they grow into pears. Pe- they grow peaches, pears. Pears and cheese. And cheese. It's like they're major. They have a monarchy. Export. It just feels like they Julie Andrews is anthem. very British. Yes. And Hector Elizondo is very not British. But also because like Charlotte, her assistant, is also very clearly American. American. Because she's Frank Marshall's daughter. Also iconic. <laughs> but like I do love the care taken to create a new country. But I'm not bothered by it not having more specific rules. I feel like it's simply solved. I think it's simply solved with just like a slight accent, like a slight either English or which is interesting. German. Some people speak with like an Italian accent in Princess Diaries too when they're in Genovia. Princess Diaries two takes place in one of the cops has like a Scottish accent or like a fully American like like. He's like military police, and he speaks like American military police. Oh, yes. The guy that Lily... Yeah. Gosh, I need to go watch the Princess Diaries, too. It's so cute. All right. Um, my turn. All right. Every time I pick an, an actress that, you know, for these pods, I do a deep dive into past episodes to make sure I haven't picked them again. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I had picked her once before mm-hmm. to play a different kind of queen. Oh. Um, <laughs> I picked Kristen Scott Thomas, who was in episodes of Fleabag... Mm-hmm. And she was in the last Tomb Raider movie, but uh, she feels very 
I don't know why I always cast her as queen. She feels very properly royal. Wait, where did you cast? When did we craft the queen? I we I casted her in episode fifty eight of our old podcast, The Boot. Check it out, guys. Uh, for the Willow episode. Oh yeah. I yeah, made yeah. her the evil queen. Yeah. And now I'm making her a good queen. Mm-hmm, 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 and mm-hmm. I didn't want to take the time to find a different actor oh because <laughs> it took too long to find her. Yeah. So uh, I think this. I think. Kristen Scott Thomas feels very real to me, and Julie Andrews feels very Mary Poppins to me. When walking in a crowd, one is under scrutiny all the time. So we don't schlump like this. We drop the shoulders, we think tall, (laughs) we tuck under, and we transfer the weight from one foot to... (laughs) No, princesses never cross their legs in public. Why don't you just tuck one ankle behind the other and place the hands gracefully on the knees? Charlotte, I think it's time for tea. She just felt very royal to me. And it, it's the whole idea of like living in a state of mourning or extended period of mourning. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, you don't go super dark, but like maybe you kind of lean into the loneliness of like this queen who has to like wear this crown and then I don't know that's who I picked I, it just okay. sort of felt more real yeah. 2020 proper and like I love the idea of like this lonely queen coming mm-hmm. to America having to like meet her granddaughter and then going on this like sort of pseudo vacation to like get out of her shell and I thought that would be fun for her yeah. basically I want this to be the crown mixed with a Netflix teen comedy Yes. Is that not what this movie is? Kind of, but like uh, of 2020, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's not a lot of royalty. I mean, they have tea. She teaches her how to sit upright at a dinner table. Yeah. She has to like give a speech. Yeah. I It's totally royal. I mean, yeah, she's not doing, she's a princess. She's not doing like diplomatic missions. No. I would have liked uh, a visit a hospital scene. I would have really liked that. Maybe that's something we can slip into the remake. Who did you pick? Um, For my queen, I picked Angela Bassett, who is very... The queen of Wakanda. She is the queen of Wakanda. Um, And she's incredibly regal. Yeah. I almost fucking picked her. Yeah. She's so good. She is... Sexy as fuck. She's 60 years old. What is happening? She does not look a day over... 50. She is max, like incredible. But also, she has the presence of an actual queen. And I think could do, could toe the sort of line that like Julie Andrews is very soft. Yes. But I almost feel like we need a queen who is a little more like, it's less nurturing in a way. She's a political leader. Like yeah. She's, she's more accustomed to dealing with leaders of the world and statesmen than she is with children. Yes. Yesterday did not go well. Will you just listen to your grandmother? Amelia, in a matter of weeks, we have an annual ball. I was, or I am hoping that I may present you to the press and the public on that occasion. However, you desperately need some instruction. I speak for the entire Genovian parliament and the royal family. And I speak for this family. Excuse me, I don't have a family with either one of you because you ignored me for 15 years and you lied to me. Families don't do stuff like that to one another, okay? I mean, I I nearly picked her, but I didn't. But you didn't. I don't know why. I, something about the, the Wakanda Black Panther of it all was like, mm. she's already kind of done this. Damn it, she's sexy. But what if she did, yeah, but what if she did the queen thing, but in like tweed suits? <laughs> That's true. Like a more modern, like I, I don't think an actress would ever get tired of playing royalty. No, a hundred percent now. Yeah. And All then right. she'll go do Mission Impossible 19. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, who are we doing next? Lily? Lily. The worst friend. That's true. In the history of friendship. I wanted to underline the idea that Mia and Lily are those nerdy bookish outsiders. Maybe sort of like book smart kind of Mm -hmm. uh, teens. Uh, So I went with an actress who probably not a lot of people have heard, but Aurelia Bearer from Runaways. Okay. How many of you have ever seen Runaways? I have seen one episode of Runaways. (laughs) 
Um, I should know this because it's based on the comic, but who does she play on that? She plays Gertrude, um, and she plays basically like that kind of teen who's searching to be invisible, mm-hmm. um, not wanting to, you know, I don't know. She's just really good, and I like okay. her. She's got purple hair in this show. Yes. Definite outsider quality, crazy color hair. Who has colored hair? Nobody. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, here's the thing. I think she plays intelligent really well. Like, I mm-hmm. see Mia and Lily as, like, very intelligent people. It's just, like, they have just, like, social deficiencies in terms of, like, how they talk to people and how they yeah. behave around around other people. But together, they're, like, hyper smart and, like, very quick-witted. Hi. Okay, so you know what? I made a list of all the reasons for you not to be a princess. Number one, no privacy. Number two, you always have to look just right. Number three. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> number three, what was number okay. three? Okay, number three, you can't go nuts, You can't be all like, blah, during the day. Lily, Lily, um, <laughs> I really don't want to talk about this at the moment, okay? Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I picked her. I kind of don't understand why Mia can't tell anyone she's a princess. Because the press? Yeah, so... It's because she hasn't, she's not technically a princess. Like, that's what they decide in this great agreement is that she is neither going to, like, say she is or say she isn't until this ball. And so then Clarice is like, okay, then don't say anything because if people find out, they're going to be like, oh, you're a princess. But, like, she hasn't decided that for herself. Okay. Um, Does that ring real for 2020? I feel like. People would tell each other and Lily would be less of a fucking shitty friend. Well, that would 100% be part of it because you couldn't not play the thing of like, oh, when you when something gets out, it's viral instantly. Right. Like there's always the possibility that everybody will know about it within like five minutes because of the Internet. I feel like people would need to know about Mia. Mia needs to know about Mia. Her mother sets her up for failure because she sends her to a tea with a woman who is like, surprise, you're a princess. Her mom knew. I just keep thinking, you're right. You're absolutely right. This mom is just like, oh, if I don't say it, it'll go away. It's like, no, there must be people out there like, it's almost like searching for the Dalai Lama. Or who's the other one? Who's the guy who finds the Dalai Lama? What? Okay. (laughs) So you know they're of the Dalai Lama, right? Yes. Well, it's... there's someone who the Dalai Lama picks a person who is then going to find the next Dalai Lama. Oh, okay, yes. And then the cycle continues that way. One picks the other, one picks the other, one picks right. the other. Um, and I feel like that kind of news story would mm-hmm. permeate this movie. Basically, I want this to be The Crown mixed with a Netflix teen comedy mixed with King Ralph, okay? I want I want the King Ralph search. Have you seen King Ralph? I don't know what that is. Gotta do King Ralph. What is that? John Goodman, uh, Prince of Arabia. Who's the actor in Prince of Arabia? What? King Ralph. John Goodman plays the heir to the throne of England, basically okay. after a, a disaster at a photo shoot kills the entire royal family. What? It's insane. Who'd you pick for Lily? Um, okay, so for my Lily, uh, who here's the thing: as unlikable as Lily can be, Heather Matarazzo is incredible. It's truly insane. She delivers some of the most iconic moments of the movie. Wait up! Wait for me! Not you! I don't even know you. So I feel like you have to have someone who can kind of speak and act with abandon. Uh-huh. Because you just have, she just doesn't care. More than Mia, she does not care. <laughs> and in a way, we love that about her. Uh, and she really does come around. Um, so I picked a girl by the name of Zoe Coletti, who I know from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I don't know how many people saw that movie or if anybody's watching City on a Hill. Oh. But I thought she was so great. She's the main character in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as sort of like a bookish girl uh, with offbeat interests and obsessions. Um, And I thought she was a lot of fun. And she's super cute. But I think she could easily play the sort of like... Because I do like this about her, that sort of like social justice warrior who just takes everything a little too far and doesn't know how to accurately like 
be a friend to Mia. Like yeah. she's she's just she's a lot, but not in a good way. She's a lot, and yeah. Um, I I'm sorry to this woman. I <laughs> don't know her. She weirdly has a look of like a young, um, Chloe Grace Moretz. I see that. Or they could like be cousins. I think maybe it's like. <laughs> they could be cousins. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting that vibe, but yeah. All right. I, I trust your word. Yeah. Uh, okay. Make it so. Make it, make it show. Number one. Um, Who are we doing next? Mike? Michael. Mike? Michael. Excuse me. <laughs> Forgive me. The royal, the royal name. Michael Moskowitz. We love Michael. I kept watching this movie and being like, this Jason Schwartzman motherfucker is just really <laughs> driving me crazy. And then it turns out it's his actual yeah. fucking brother. And I was like. Did it shock you to find out he was a Schwartzman? I was like, wow, they really went out of their way to make this guy look like Jason Schwartzman. And I was like, no, he's just genetically here's, made to look like Jason Schwartzman. Here's the thing about Michael is that he's supposed to be the quiet, overlooked Friend. Hello, Mia. Hey, Doc. So, what's the diagnosis for my baby? Hmm? $400. Yeah, I know. It costs to be cool, huh? This is not my day. I'll do some labor free. Thanks, but I'll talk to my grandma about it. It'll be great. Anyway, I'll see you guys later, okay? I gotta be somewhere. Ooh, I'll do some labor free. <laughs> you are sweet on her. She's my sister's best friend. Yeah, that's the hardest place to be between friend and uh, friendlier, huh? And it, in a way, in a way that you feel about Anne Hathaway as Mia, I feel like thinking back on this, I'm like, he is also like those girls who are like sitting at the shop, like watching their band, and they're looking at the the lead singer, and they're like, he plays guitar, he fixes cars, and they're like, he's so hot, and I'm like. Everybody in this band is hot. Like they're all they're all playing music. They're all vocalizing. They're all cool. Like he's got M&Ms on his keyboard. He's cool. And it, it, but in a way you're buying that he is just like the quiet guy who's never taken his shot and is always just kind of sitting and you buy it. And you're like that's insane. This guy's hot. It, of course. It, here's the thing though, he's not the front man in the band. That's true. He's the side keyboardist. That's true. It goes front man, lead guitarist. Oh, okay. There's an order. Drummer. Okay. Bassist, unfortunately, the bassist is so important to a band. And then it's like side keyboard, very low in the totem pole. Oh, Very okay. low in the totem pole. Wow. I didn't know about this. I'm glad I was educated that the <laughs> people who play the keyboard don't Unless just Okay. <laughs> you're a keyboard forward band, like, uh -huh. I don't know, like Passion Pit, then... Then keyboard is allowed to be higher up in right. the hierarchy. right. Wow, this is so, so educational. Yeah. Um, but he, he, yeah, it's one of those things, even like looking back at everything, like I was watching this with my roommate and I was commenting on how the guy who plays Jeremiah, they're like sort of side friend with the red hair that everyone's like, Ooh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is hot. Jeremiah looks like he's, he's very attractive. In, he looks like he started some 41. Like it, it. <laughs> But I think between my roommate and I, we confirmed it. He's hot. So is Michael. We just didn't see it because at the time, it was so distracting to have Eric Von Detten in a movie. <laughs> at the time, really, there this was nothing better so than Eric Von weird. Detten. I told you I would talk about it. I know. There is something about a blonde kid with a middle part that just made that only worked from like 1998 to 2003. But yeah. in that time, they ruled. It was almost like as soon as Chris Evans showed up in Hollywood, he just got no more roles. Like no more roles for you, Eric. You're, you have this new kid. Honestly, I would love to know where Eric Von Detten landed because he is probably the man that started a million crushes. But my Michael is great. He says with the absolute most sincerity in his heart, I just consider myself royally flushed and it makes me want to cry. Aww. I know you're still mad at me for blowing you off and I'm really sorry I did. Um, 
but I am going to try to make it up to you. How? Well, um, I'm still going to the Genovian Independence Day Ball, and I'm inviting you. It, it could be fun. You know, I'm, I'm wearing this great dress that I can't breathe in, and Lily's got a date, and... Josh looks better in the tux. Oh, um, but see, it's... I really want you to be the one I share it with. You don't have to wear a tux. <laughs> you can wear sweatpants for all I care, you know? You don't, don't worry about me. I just consider myself royally flushed. Anyway. Who did you pick? So I picked for my Michael Moskowitz, Levi Miller, who is better known for things he did, I think, as a much younger kid. He was Peter in Pan. Um, I recently. He's also in A Wrinkle in Time. He is also in A Wrinkle in Time. Would you just watch A Wrinkle in Time and say, get him in here? No, I've actually never seen A Wrinkle in Time. But I watched Better Watch Out recently, Mm -hmm. which is a Christmas horror movie and I don't want to ruin it but there's a twist in the middle that's really cool and I think showcases him as just a much more interesting actor than like oh he's like a cute kid um but yeah I think he could sort of sell the like brooding standoffishness let me guess is that the twist that's why you know that he has the range of why would you brooding... say that? We have to cut this whole thing out now. <laughs> I was just guessing. You have to watch this movie. It's very fascinating. And I think he's really good. And even just like looking at his IMDb picture, I'm like 100%. He could like wear his hair a little in his face and you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Like maybe people are a little scared of him because they just don't understand him. But he's always had a thing for Mia. He, I don't know this kid. Again, sorry to this I'm man. So, we're sorry to all of these children. Um, but I, yeah, I get it. He's got that kind of look of like, I don't know how to describe a young child in terms of a romantic person, but it's like someone who could be pining. Yes. Love unrequited. Yes. I see it. Yeah. I get it. 100%. And in the, and the longer he, it looks like he's, uh, as all humans, growing older, but like mm-hmm. as he gets older, his hair is getting longer and it's that kind of like, oh yeah, that middle school early high school, just grow it out. And it's just every kid from life. just feel like every kid between middle school and high school just has weird long hair and they never cut it. Yeah. You, everyone goes through a face. Yeah. 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 Um, I picked an actor who you, I'm going to say 90% don't know. Uh, and I'm a hundred percent going to murder his name. Uh, Sholo Madurena. What? (laughs) He's from Cobra Kai. He's very talented. Okay. Then I definitely star. don't know this kid. He's a Disney star, I believe. Okay. Uh, oh, he was in Parenthood. He was the kid in Parenthood. Yeah. Sholo yeah, I don't know this kid. I'm sorry to this kid. Nailed it on the first try. Yeah, he's in Cobra Kai. He, he's great. And here's the, uh, here's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't know what's to come of these YouTube shows. That's a great, that's a great question. What is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. But at least in the first season of the show, he plays... A kid who's like completely invisible, who like learns how to like stand up for himself, falls in love. You know, he seems like the kind of guy. What did I write? I'll just stick to the script. guy. <laughs> like he just seems like someone who can play like like the fly on the wall who's not really noticed. And then when you notice him, he gives you that sort of younger leading man type. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel really bad using this actor because I really like this actor. I know you don't know him, but I really like this actor. And I feel bad for using him here because I know he's just going to get replaced by the next Chris Pine in the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, how much runway do we really need to give Michael here? Unfortunately, not a lot. And, yeah, we're happy for Michael. We wish him... At the time, we wished him the best with his band. Dude, that was such bullshit in the second one. We're like, oh, and as for Michael, we're still friends. He's taking time to tour the world with his band. It's like, bullshit, you broke his heart, and now he's writing incredible songs because of it, but there's no way you two are still friends. Maybe you're friends with him, but he is crushed. You don't go just dating the princess of a nation and then like continue on with your life. Like that. That probably, I mean... 
I don't know. But I mean, it's like it, it's also here's here's the thing. It, he does not have leading man qualities. And that's one of the a, like he works in this case. But to be the leading man of her life. That's just not going to work. It's like the woman who dated Obama and released all the letters. And she was just like, I knew he wasn't in love with me and it sucked. Yeah. And now he's this awesome, like celebrated president. But it's also. He's one of the most iconic people in the world. But it's also true that his band, Rooney, took off a tiny bit in the early 2000s. Oh, so you're linking this to actual real life with yeah. Robert Schwartzman. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. So we were, Rooney exists in the Princess Diary universe, I like except to it's imagine. not Robert Schwartzman; it's Michael, Michael Moskowitz. I like to imagine. Okay. Okay. Is it time to talk about the best character in this movie? It's time to talk about Joe. Joe, just Joe. Just Joe. Sir Joe? No. No, no, no. Joey? Just no, no. Joe. Just Joe. Joseph, can we eighty-six the flags, please? No. The flags allow me to park anywhere. We keep the flags. Sorry, Joseph. You can call me Joe. Joey? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe. I'm okay. We have to talk about the best scene in this movie. Um, so there's a scene where the queen needs to teach uh, Mia how to dance. And for some reason, the person who is most capable of doing this is Joe. <laughs> So they're learning they're learning how to dance, which first of all, and I want to give my roommate Natasha credit because she said, and I quote, Joseph's waist is snatched. And in that scene, friend, it is. What does that mean? He looks fantastic. <laughs> the belt is tight. He is looking uh, fit and he's, trim. He's first of all, a couple things. <laughs> Hector Elizondo looks like he just rolled off a golf cart from the Chicago Hope TV set. <laughs> To film these scenes. Second of all, I kept thinking this was Joey Pantolano. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just like, how is this not Joey Pantolano? No, 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 fine. Hector Elizondo is... Could you imagine Joe Pantolano having a romantic storyline with Julie Andrews? Andrews? Not at all. But it's like that same New York actor, leather coat, like, late 90s. Like, why isn't this... He looked like... He honestly looked like he could have been a detective on NYPD Blue. Yes. It really, it's, it's just a strange choice of wardrobe, at least. Well, there's that scene where Lily's like, you look like Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who this movie is for. Um, but it's incredible because the end of that scene is Mia being like, okay, dance lessons are done. You're fine. She leaves. Joey... Joe turns the music back on and is like, ah, cha-cha. This scene is so sensual. This scene between Hector Elizondo and Julie Andrews where they are just dancing. Incredible. It is full level Sade, smooth (laughs) operator. It is. The guy slides in like an angel and is like... You've worn black for too long. And it was just that like, literally- pants drop <laughs> music It up. is insane. The queen like- is in love. Listen, Eric Von Detten could never. Um, Joe is the best. He's the best. Who'd you pick? I picked. Or is it my turn? You go. Is it my turn? I forget the I order. think it is. I picked Andy Garcia. Fuck. That's fucking good. That's a gr- I know it's a great choice. Fuck. I don't I even feel so say, I don't confident. Even say who I picked. Because you know what? Andy Garcia is still a suave in like a hundred percent I can see him romancing Angela Bassett. A hundred percent. Andy Garcia is sixty-three. Yeah. Did you see his episode of Modern Love? I did not. He still got it. God damn it. It's. I feel this is a. Honestly, remake this movie just based off of that casting alone. Can we just skip skip my pick? (laughs) What did you pick? No, it's it's such a downer. No, now you have to. Now you have to tell me. Uh, Okay. Well, the reason I picked this person is because I really enjoyed the comedic moments between Mia and Joe as like Mm -hmm. he's this really intimidating security presence who then turns to be more of like a like a guardian figure to her. Yes. 
My information tells me that boy was using her. The kiss was merely a device so that he could get his 15 minutes of fame. And her friends didn't help either. They did Anna, Falana, Banana, Bandana, those Montana. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why didn't she have enough common sense to deal with this? She's only 15. But today she acted beyond her years. <laughs> um, I picked Stephen Delane from Game of Thrones. Okay. Who is really fucking intimidating. He played yes. Stanley Baratheon. Stannis. Stannis Baratheon. St- Stanley Barrett. <laughs> Stary Baritone. Stary- Stanley Baritone Stanley on Baratone. Game of Thrones. Uh, Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> he just like commands. I mean, he straight up murders his daughter in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's he's scary. He's scary. He's like a scary guy. And you don't yes. want to mess with him. But like I could see him like. You know, because Joe at first is like, I can't believe I have to watch this kid. This is just like, just, you know, just do what I say. And by the end, he's like out there running to find Mia. He's like, are you going to run away? She's like, no, I got a ball to catch. And he's like, he's there. He's like a white knight. And I kind of liked casting someone who's a little more rough around the edges to play a a modern quote unquote knight. Mm. But I forgot about the romance scene. Yeah. Oh, never forget. Ah! Anywho, it doesn't matter. Andy Garcia, what a pick. Man, I should... <laughs> All right. Well, I have a I will I can still not that this is a competition, but I can still win this thing. Okay. With Barry Pepper. I didn't realize it was a competition. It's not. But here we go. But sometimes I just get personally attached to my picks. And I sometimes I know like this might not be great. Uh Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? This is really a challenge. We're putting Barry Pepper into the Princess Diaries. I really feel like there's a there's and a he's place. not playing Joe. No, and honestly, he shouldn't play Joe. No, but you know who he should play? Who? Mister O'Connell. Who is Mister O'Connell? <laughs> Mister O'Connell is Mia's debate teacher who dates her mother. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's better. Yeah, I I said Vice Principal Gupta, played by... Um, no, 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 we're getting Sandra O oh back Sandra to oh. reprise her role as Gupta. I just love that moment where uh, Gupta is like just this 100% like sycophant to the queen. Isn't that just awful? Doesn't anyone respect royalty anymore? What is it like in Genovia, Your Majesty? Do people just fawn over you? It was pretty. It's pretty good. In she has no right to be absolutely hilarious and wonderful in this movie because what is this part? But Sandra Oh is so funny. She is. She's in this movie. It's weird. Um, what other uh, what other things do you have to say about this movie? Um, the soundtrack for this movie is uh, iconic. Iconic in like uh, Madonna post nineteen ninety eight. Please turn this off because my ears are bleeding. Iconic or no like, iconic in that in the co- iconic. There is okay. There's a song in like this the movie. man holding up Tiamat Square. <laughs> iconic. To be honest, this yeah. is my least favorite part of this movie. So <gasps> I, the music. Drove How dare me nuts. you? How dare you? How many many more songs are there? Three. No, just the one she sings on the freaking thing everything else is bewitched steps crystal harris there is a song and i'm not even kidding there is a lost song and i say this because you cannot get it anywhere like you can't get this on spotify there is a backstreet boys song that is in this movie that is so good and i only like i have it because it was on the black and blue physical cd black and blue being there third studio album and I have no way to find it now and I can't like I have nothing that plays CDs so I can't rip this song off what makes you Music at its finest. Uh, that and the Powerline songs from a goofy movie—you just can't oh, find yeah, anywhere. Those are owned by Prince. 
Really? Yeah. Or because he wrote those songs. Those just, are so good. I just, uh, I'm sorry, I got really emotional. <laughs> I just love the Backstreet Boys and the fact that I can't, and they don't play it live. Like, it is truly lost to time. Anyway, um, um, yes. Other things. Let's talk about the firehouse. Is that something that would that would survive 2020? Because San Francisco is a completely different city. Second question: That's Does true. this movie take place in San Francisco? Because I feel like San Francisco is like it's the quirky, liberal kind of like fun, artsy right. city. I feel like that's not the case anymore. So where does this city take? Where does this movie take place? It would in be 2020? interesting if this movie took place somewhere more like remote. Because that's what's more interesting is like the actual impossibility that this girl is a princess of like she lives in Omaha. Like, yeah, that'd be fun. Where would she be where it's like her mother literally took her to the most remote place she could find? Omaha is a major metropolitan city. I have to come to the defense of my girlfriend who's from (laughs) Omaha. It's a very big place. But saying she is taking her someplace where it's like you like who even thinks about this? Nobody is ever going to come looking for us here. That's it. Yeah, I kept thinking two places like somewhere in like Vermont, like like outside Burlington somewhere. Yes. Or like somewhere outside of Austin or maybe even like quirky like Santa Fe, New Mexico kind of Oh, yeah. Vibe. This has a big New Mexico vibe. It, it just feels like it's just unfortunate that the San Francisco in this movie doesn't exist anymore. And so like... And I think that it's that thing of like it is based on a book and there are certain character pieces that slot well into this, but truly it could take it yeah. could go anywhere. Would you remake this movie? I love I love 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 what this movie is and I don't think Disney has proven itself to be great at remaking things like this. And so until they can prove themselves otherwise, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no with a caveat. Okay. I do not want to see this movie remade. Okay. I do want to see Disney throw that Brinks truck at Anne Hathaway and Chris Pine and give us a three. And see that relationship give in us adulthood. A three. Oh, us- I am in. Princess Diaries 3 about Mia and What's-His-Face's actual relationship ruling Genovia. It'll basically be Disney's Before Midnight. It'll basically yes. be Mia and whatever his name is. Just like their lives completely falling apart. Yes. They're, compl- they're having like these but Richard it- Linklater long discussions about like life as a Royals. It it would it could it's basically gonna be like the his Harry. His name is Nicholas. Nicholas. Man, I would I would pay big money to see I mean, a third Princess Diaries about that relationship. I mean, come on. I mean, what is Disney Plus doing if they're not doing this? Yeah. Okay. Listen, Disney, if you're freaking listening. If you're not going to do it, we're calling dibs. We're calling dibs last week. We're calling dibs today. You better figure out what you're doing with Lizzie McGuire. So help me. It's going to Hulu, right? Or she Mm, petitioned it to go to Hulu. Love, Simon, that spinoff is going to Hulu. But they have not said as of yet what's happening to Lizzie McGuire. But their showrunner quit. Guys. uh, All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of Rebooted. If you like this episode, please tell your friends, please tell your family, please tell your enemies. Uh, Maybe it's something you have in common. You enjoy this podcast. Check out our past episodes. Stay with us next week. We have a great movie for you. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where are you listening to it right now? Just like download it. I don't know why I'm telling you this. That is the best way to help us out. Leave a rating and a review wherever you found us. You can also find us now on Ko-fi where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this fine podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. You can also find us on social media at Rebooted Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Are you kidding me? That's so easy. Or you can find us separately because I don't know your life. Maybe you don't want to follow both of us at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B. Maybe one is one of us is secretly royalty. We're just trying to keep a low profile. Who's most likely between us? Who's most likely to be royalty? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> my parent, my mom told me that we were like distantly related to like one of the presidents of the Philippines. But oh, not the current one. yeah, he's no good. Um, I think it was a lady. Ooh, so maybe very progressive. 
it's the Philippines, so I, I, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's really hard to say what. So I think we've had our answer. It's you. It's me, but I inherit like the 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 corrupt bureaucracy of of an island nation <laughs> instead of a. That's a totally thriving economy of a. A pear a, a, a pear and cheese economy. <laughs> What are we talking about? Why know. are we still recording this? I don't know. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. I've never ridden in a limo. He admitted bitterly to himself as he crossed to the open window and looked out at the bay, the fog looming like his pathetic life before him. I can't believe I won an Emmy.